about them saints. <sighs> Welcome to season two of How About Them. Uh, I am really excited because my friend Ollie got really pleased last night watching his team. What did you think of the Saints last night? I think the Saints are back under Ross Lyon. Uh, it's hard not to get too excited um, because going into the season, it was hard to know what to expect. Um, you know, with a new coach, new game plan, um, Ross Lyon. You know, so I think I have a lot of. Uh, Respect and love for Ross Lyon, but you just don't know what's going to happen after a few years out. But um, he's leaned into his assistance, and and yeah, we structure up really well, and we try really hard. And I think we're going to bring that uh, into every game, and it's going to set us up really well for the season. Yeah, is it looked like a Ross Lyon footy team, and the last year of the Frio um, tenure did not necessarily look like. Ross Lyon footy anymore. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of cool to see after all these years that it still exists and there's more wrinkles to it and it's not exactly the same, so I shouldn't be reductive. But yeah. it does, you know, it was really high pressure, which is what he's known for, and the hard-running defence, which he's promised. Um, did you like his presser? I always love uh, the Ross Lyon presses. There's no pearls, I don't think, in his post-game presser. He was just very, you know, matter-of-fact, um, trying to... Um, big up his assistants and players and saying it's all about, like, you know, there's no magic pill. It's just about hard work. Um, but his pregame presser was good. There's a, there's a bit more um, sprinkle Ross Lyon magic in it. Um, but he's he's probably just, he's mellowed out uh, and there's no no brilliant questions from Shane. To, so. I, I found it touching and um, I felt like I wanted to run through a brick wall for him when he did big up his assistants. Yeah. There's something about that. There's like knowing the right time to be humble. And obviously this guy's come back in. A lot of people were rolling their eyes when the Saints got him back. And you've won your first two games against finals competitors from last year looking quite good. Um, And he just takes that moment to be humble and say, I'm leaning into the help around me. And he, he still called it an exploration year, which I don't know, man. I think this is a really good um, Saints team now. It is. So I've, I've got a question for you in regards to narrative. So when the AFL, uh, wider AFL um, population think about Ross Lyon, it's, he's a defensive and he's a dour coach, right? That's, it's just like a generalisation. In the last two weeks, we've held the Dockers to 52 points and the Bulldogs to 41 points. So that that says that you know we we set up really well defensively, but we're not hearing this dour defensive narrative around Ross Lyon. Yeah, why? What do you think's changed? Why do you think that is? I think he's got a lot of friends in the media for one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a bit of a skeptical view, but I think he's got a lot of friends that really like him and um, want to see him succeed. But it's not purely that. The game has evolved to require Ross Lyon-style footy, I think. So much of how teams play is this counter-attacking style where the defense comes first and the source pressure comes first and then you create offense springboarding off that. And so it's not as looked down upon as it used to be. What what do you think of that answer? Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I was thinking about it. No, I I think that's fair. I think... Um, the the way the team's set up defensively now and the pressure that they put in, I think, you know, I think Clarko was the um, was the 
the first person to really do it with Clarko's cluster. And then Ross sort of, um, he created, you know, the 2009 and 10 Saints and then it's just gone from there. So I think it's just an evolution. What we see in the AFL is just an evolution of, of that and that's that's why. Um, and also I think the AFL, we're just used to um, teams not kicking as much many goals because defences are a lot better and the pressure is just so much higher. Yeah. Um, so teams, you know, the... The level of execution in order to kick a goal requires a lot of, you know, a lot of good players, a lot of good players touching the ball a lot, breaking lines. Um, yeah, yeah. I love how much he's simplified footy. He he says something. It's a it's a it's a game of competition or something like that in yeah. the presser. Um, and you know he's mentioned that this is not your best squad. There's clearly a couple of guys who are best twenty two missing. But he came into round one and round two with 22 fit guys that knew what to do. And uh, it is sometimes as simple as that. Just professional, knowing where to be and working harder than the opposition. Yeah. And I think that was uh, apparent last last night in the game. So I was uh, on the third level and I could watch us set up defensively. And, you know, the dogs were kicking the ball um, you know, side to side, trying to look for an opening. Uh, so this allowed St Kilda to set up defensively. And what I, sort of, what I saw was like two sort of lines of defence. And, and it just seemed that every time the Bulldogs uh, tried to kick the ball forward, it would be to a contest or St Kilda would have the numbers there. There was a period in the second quarter where the Dogs got up, and we'll explain it before, and I think Ross Lyon said it in the press, it's due to... Marcus Bontempelli being able to break through lines uh, with his with his ability, uh, but outside of that, uh, yeah, we just structured so well around the ground, um, and it just seemed like we had numbers at the ball, yeah, more than the Bulldogs. It was pretty funny. Uh, I'm a Dogs fan, obviously, and during the third quarter, you could see Bevo like absolutely sweating up a storm, uh, yeah. just thinking. What am I going to do here? Because in the third quarter, you had taken our response, you'd absorbed our punch, um, which Russell said at halftime, that was always going to happen. This is, yep. of course, this is going to happen. That's that's okay. That's what happens when you're playing a team with guys like Marcus Bontempelli on them. Um, and then the way that you absorbed the Bulldogs' um, attack in the third, and then kind of knocked them out really in the second half of the third quarter. I was watching from the Dogs fans' perspective how are we going to approach the fourth quarter. Uh, I wasn't very bullish by this point, but the first play of the final quarter, I think the Dogs might have won the clearance going backwards, feeding the ball backwards, and whoever went to look upfield and look for a target saw nothing, kicked sideways, and you knew there's no response coming here. Like The, yeah. the, Saints, have, the Saints have locked them up for yeah. this game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. Another thing I liked hearing in his presser is he's like, we're not going to win with four or five superstars. We're not going to – and I think that's so true. It's, it's, it was such even contribution, which is the sign of a good team. Yeah. And when when I rewatched um, this game, it, w- it wasn't the Jack Steels that were leaping out as, you know, it's not that he didn't play well, but it's not like, like – the St Kilda of old, forgive me, tell, correct me if I'm wrong – the St Kilda of old, there were individuals that would show up and you'd go, oh, geez, they really pop out. Like even when Higgins was in form, you'd be yeah. like, oh, he really stands out compared to um, his compatriots. 
and Steele would also really stand out compared to his compatriots and guys that are really heavy talent players like Hunter Clark in the past have as well. Whereas now when they're really working as one, um, uh, that will happen. Those super talented guys are still going to have their big moments, but you see the effort of absolutely everyone out there, guys like Wilkie and Burns. Um, but let's start talking about players who did pop in this game. What do you reckon? Yeah. Uh, so I think my play of the game was Rowan Marshall. I think mm-hmm. in order for the Dogs to win a game, they do need that midfield dominance. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I thought the midfield um, battle was pretty pretty even. Like if you look at the numbers from like possessions, uh, contested possessions and clearances, uh, I think St Kilda's slightly up. Uh, and you know the Bulldogs have a stacked midfield with Bontempelli, McRae, and Libba. Uh, and so for Ron Marshall to, um, I think he was our top clearance player as well. So he was giving yeah. our players first use with his hitouts, but he also had nine clearances himself. Yeah. So he's not. Not the best tap ruckman, but what he's really good at is pl- clunking the ball and just kicking it forward. Yeah. And I think that really helped negate the Bulldogs' midfield dominance. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to give him the player of the game because he really helped, um, you know, even out that battle against the Bulldogs' greatest strength and then yeah, helped us, ca- helped us um, win the game. What did you think of his round-the-ground work? Yeah, I th- again, he's, he's such a big, big target uh so he's a really good mark so he took a few good marks uh i can't i can't remember when but thought he was yeah really strong around the ground with his he had 20 disposals in the end so that's a really good effort from a ruckman yeah yeah he's he's a good matchup for english as well i think he can beat him up physically and yeah english is the kind of guy that needs um he needs a good second ruck support and um, theoretically, he had it for a week this year, and <laughs> it was um, the ruck battle was probably going to go some Kilda's way. But I agree, Ron was really good. You know who popped out to me? I don't know if I'm not going to declare someone as my player of the game, but I love um, Mason Woods' game. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just it just works now with Mason Wood. I think he's always been an AFL talent with his kicking skills and he's had the athleticism. It looks like he kind of just figures out, he's figured out, knows where to be. Yeah. And um, he's setting up a lot of plays with this beautiful left foot of his. Yeah. Move. So he, he always does really well in the time trials. Yeah. Uh, so he's a really good athlete and he's always been a talented footballer. Uh, we, you know, when he's in the North Melbourne days, he was a forward and you're like, Ooh, this guy could be something. Cause every, so every few games he'd pop up and, you know, kick three or four goals. Um, but yeah, we picked him up as a delisted free agent. So there is value in delisted free agent. Another one's Liam Stocker, who I thought played a really solid game down back. Yeah. But I think Mason Wood, to me, screams of being like a Ross Lyon player. Too much time's already passed uh, without mentioning the Pooh, Philip Pooh. What do you think of his game? Yeah, I think, I think he is. Uh, already the alpha in the group. Um, but yeah, kick some really good goals. I'm, I'm not sure which goal I love the most. Um, so the first goal in the first like 30 seconds, um, the snap from absolutely nothing. He yep. just created something from nothing and then kicking a goal from inside the uh, centre square. Yeah. Probably that one. And that was probably the most crucial part of the game as well. That was the start of the second half. Yeah. And the dogs had just come back, so it was important to start the second half on the right foot. Yeah. 
what type of player do you see him evolving into? Um, he looks like such a beautiful, pure forward right now. He does. Uh, I can see a bit of Patrick Dangerfield, mm-hmm. but maybe not as explosive. So do you know how like you know peak danger could like mark the ball at its highest point, land on his feet, and then just jump off and start running at full speed? I don't know if um, the Poo is that type of athlete, but you know that real big, solid midfielder, um, big personality who can go up, clunk a mark, and kick a goal. Yeah, as he's got a better kick naturally, maybe than Dangerfield. Every, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Projects to have a better kick. Yeah, he projects to have a better kick. Like, how beautiful was that kick from? Uh, yeah, it was from, stunning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How, uh, about, how about yourself? How about mm, yourself? Yeah, I mean, like, I haven't seen as much of him as you have, um, but he's got a lot of magic about him. Um, and he does seem a bit more explosive than a player like Bond. Um, you might have to give me a bit of time with that, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, enough, yeah, fair. Um, speaking of big-bodied midfielders playing forward and looking pretty good, do you want to talk a little bit about your doppelganger, Michito yeah. Owens? Yeah, the half-Japanese wonder kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I I know a recruiter who says that um, both Owens and Winanga are really good. Mm-hmm. And I... First, when I first saw Owens and uh, Windy, I always thought Owens he, Owens is a really nice-looking player. He had a pretty bad, uh, unlucky run with injuries last year, so he couldn't put together consistent games. But he started round one last year because of his hard work, and he's been thrust forward due to injuries, and he's competing really well, um, taking really good marks on the lead, pack marks, kicking goals, and he's just playing himself really well. So... I'm I'm loving the move up forward for him, but I do want I I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do in the midfield because yeah. I think he is a natural midfielder midfield, but yeah he's really um providing a, a threat up forward, helping us uh, during this injury run. So you know credit credit to him for um, making it work, and then also credit to the coaches for for believing him and sticking to their guns and you know making a second year player um, lead the forward. And he's what one ninety centimeters, one ninety one centimeters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does look like a specimen out there. He's a big one ninety centimeters, but it looks yeah. a bit like when he stands next to other midfielders, he looks like a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was. Um, there was a bit where he's near Bonsampelli, and he's about the same size. Yeah, yeah. How, how did you see the forward structure? Who were the main guys in that rotation? Yeah, so um, the three young guys are uh, the Poo, uh, the Hammer. Caminiti, uh, Caminiti, and Michito, uh, and then we've also got uh, Cordy, uh, Zane Cordy. Yeah, uh, I thought he was your best Australian. Yeah, uh, Premiership centre half forward uh, Zane Cordy. Yeah, I've thought about it, and <laughs> yeah, he was probably the, your best player on the night. Yeah, he gets the three votes for me. Yeah, kicked two beautiful um, set shot goals, <laughs> uh, and then we have Higgins and Butler, and then Gresham rotating through. Uh, yeah. And I think they work really well. I can't think of too many times where they got. In each other's way, um, I think, and then Zane and Kamaniti are really nice lead up forwards. They took some really nice marks on the lead. Uh, the Poo just does can do a bit of everything. Um, his his presentation on the lead was excellent as yeah, well, and he can mark true. it at a nice high point as well. I was so impressed by some of your spot up kicks going inside fifty. Yeah, it's not something that the St Kilda um, has been too great at in the last few years. You know what I saw on the night? I saw Seb Ross kick the ball inside fifty, <laughs> and a St Kilda player marked the ball. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think good things are happening when that um, when that happens. Having said that, 
we did squander a lot of our inside 50 um, entries. I think the Bulldogs, I think Ross Lyon was saying at halftime, uh, nine of our 20 inside 50s resulted in a Bulldog um, mark. Inset marks, yeah. yeah. So you had to lower the eye. So there's still a bit of work to be done there. Um, but it, I think it has been a weakness of ours for the past few years. But there is definitely improvement um, there, especially without Max King. So I think you know what's interesting is without Max King, we're, we're probably less predictable. Yep. Uh, which which is a good thing. So it'll be interesting to see how we incorporate Max King back when he is back, if it's still so Max King-centric. Do you think it will be a two-tall setup, like two genuine tall setups like Kamenichi and Max King together when he comes back? Yeah, it depends. Like at this stage, yeah, I, I'd think so. Um, and then you could still throw Machito. Uh, and Pooh would say, I think he's going to be up forward all year. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to think those two. And they're, and they're quite different um, different forwards. So, I think, like, Caminiti, like, he gets on his horse and he runs and he presents really well, whereas Max King is more of your, like, lead up and just mark the ball at his yeah. highest point and then mark over everyone because he's so tall. Yeah. So, I think they could complement each other really well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to watch Max King play under Ross because – I suppose what the criticisms of him can be can be based on the eye test, like how how's his work up and back, you yeah. know, like how much does he just want you to kick it on his head? And so I can't wait to see whether Ross has had a bit of an impact on him. And that sounds like I'm tarnishing him. He's an amazing young talent who's an yeah. absolute weapon. But imagine if he realises his potential in this system. One of my favourite players of the game, and it had to do with my best on ground, Zane Cordy, was... There was a spot-up kick to him from Jack Sinclair. It might have been in the last quarter. Yeah, yeah. So perfectly weighted, beautiful kick. Stark contrast to watching the dogs kick inside 50 as well. Tell me about Sinclair's game. Yeah, so Sinclair's our um, reigning club champion. He was everywhere. Uh, You can't miss him with his luscious locks. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, he was mopping up. He was, you know, that... um, he was the force that was moving the ball forward from our defence and spotting up kicks going through the corridor. Um, yeah, he's just a beautiful player. I think he's he's really um, he's really continued on his good form form from last year. Uh, so yeah, not loving loving the Jack Sinclair experience. And Hunter Clark, what do you think of his game? Yeah, so Hunter Clark, Hunter Clark's yeah, I'm I'm a big Hunter Clark fan, um, and I thought he worked into the game pretty well. wasn't as prolific, wasn't extremely prolific. Um, actually, looking at the stats, he had 26 possessions. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought he worked hard. Hard. He had a few like nice side steps, and you know, with his silky skills. I think his connecting kicks were yeah. fantastic. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I think Ross Ross uh, mentioned him after the game, saying, "Yep, he did some good things, and um, he was playing on the bond, um, and then he, he was doing some good things. Uh, the bond was doing some good things against him, so that, you know, there is that learning experience." Um, and so hopefully Hunter can, you know, learn from this game and, and continue to, you know, get the ball a lot, uh, use his silky skills and his connecting kicks. Which St Kilda player that's not Nick Rewalt, which all-time St Kilda player, which not Nick Rewalt, would you add to this St Kilda team to make it better? Not Nick Rewalt. Yep. Any St Kilda player... From the past 20 years? Make it 20 years. I don't want you to say lock it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not lock it. That's a, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, so the top, 
I'm going to give you three names and then I'll boil it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I go Lenny Hayes. Yep. Uh, obvious reasons. Yep. Brendan Goddard. Yep. Okay. There's a lot to unpack from that. Do you want to unpack it straight away or do you want to finish? No, I'll, let me... F- I'll finish. Yep. And then the third uh, would be maybe Stephen Milne. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, yeah. He, when I thought of this question, he came to mind. Yeah. Why? So, so are you willing to discard the Lenny part? Because Lenny, we know, he's a really yeah. good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And fits with Ross and fits with everything. He's great. So start on Milne? Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at the forward line you had playing, um, it, they're all, you know, you've got two big-bodied midfielders in there. They've got a bit of size to them. Cordy, Caminiti, um, and I'm looking at it. Higgins is a funny sort of like mid-size small forward. He is an opportunist, yeah. but I kind of feel like that electric true small forward would just be a good a good addition. Yeah, I think he's like, he's an upgrade on Butler. Like, yeah. I love Dan Butler. He brings really good pressure. Um but he's not the goal kicker that Stephen Milne is. Yeah. And Stephen Milne could create something from nothing. Um, especially, he just knew how to read the ball off a pack yep. and kick a goal. And I think, yeah, and I think, you know, adding two to three extra goals per game is never a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. And you've got a pretty good midfield. You're going to get your share of entries this year. And your forwards are bringing it to ground at the very least. And so having someone like Milne to just swoop in and yeah be an opportunist that would be good I like that yeah Goddard where would you play him I'd play him in the halfback flank still being that general out of defense yep uh it, it would probably free up players like Sinclair and Hill to move up the ground ground but yeah Brendan Goddard at his best could just read the ball you know better than a lot of other players his really beautiful kick being that sort of quarterback yeah uh, and yeah and then you know Good foot skills and being able to read the play are essential for uh, the halfback flankers in 2023. And I reckon Goddard's prime, uh, a perfect fit for that. Yeah, he's a really good answer. He's a great answer. Another answer I would have accepted would have been Farron Ray. Um, but <laughs> Bulldogs Farron Ray. <laughs> How about Shane Burse? Shane Burse. <laughs> um, and um, also Stephen Baker. <laughs> Josh Bruce. <laughs> oh, Josh, how did I miss that? Far out. There was a little argy-bargy at halftime, I noticed, and I don't know, Bruce looked like a bulldog. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was him versus Matty Crouch. Yeah, that's no, right. Brad Crouch. Brad Crouch, yeah. 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 And one thing that I saw that was quite funny, um, there was a contest on the centre wing between Cordy and Norton. Yep, and they hit. It, they went into each other, and then like I think they gave each other a bit of a bit of lip after, and then a pat on the bum, <laughs> which is funny to see. Yeah, absolutely. As, think, yeah, a couple of good defenders that have played forward for the dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, who do you think will be the rising star, and how much will the Philippi win by? <laughs> uh, he, yeah, he's looking really good. For sure, he's looking really good. Um, who's competing with him? Sheasel. Sheasel, yeah. I think Ashcroft. Yeah, Ashcroft was amazing on, uh, when was it? Friday night. Yeah. Oh, far out. He was- Goals of the round nominations will the Pooh get this year? What's the over and under? Uh, two or three. 
Yeah. That's, a, <laughs> that's a really tepid answer, isn't it? It's a really wow. tepid answer. Yeah, two or three. I think, look, his goals are impressive. They're like, he's a star goals. But I don't know, man. Come on. <laughs> Did you see Dacos's the other day? No. Yesterday, I should say. Nick Dacos, mate. It was such a beautiful goal. I mean, as usual, it always has Pendlebury involved in it. Pendlebury passed it over his head. I know that this part of the podcast is supposed to be about the Saints, but my answer is... Like, the poo is very impressive. <laughs> but don't get carried away. <laughs> Just keep a lid on it. Yeah. No, but he's looking, he yeah. is looking really, really good. I can't wait to see what he becomes. And in a lot of ways, I think I'm glad to see he's playing forward and he's excelling because, I don't know, it's kind of a bit more interesting. There's a lot of um, inside mid bulls that are kind of creative upfield, but... Creation in front of goal with modern defences as good as it is is um, worth its weight in gold. And it's nice to see the poo contributing on that front straight away. Because I mentioned Collingwood, the other hypothetical I have is like, how would you guys match up against Collingwood, this Collingwood team right now? Um, Yeah. So I think for mine, Collingwood are the team to beat. Yeah. That's why I bring them up. Yeah. So they're the yardstick. So I think, you know, it'd be a litmus test for us. Yep. Um, yeah, I, we're still a young, uh, you know, we're still getting to grips with the Ross line game plan. Uh, and I think our skills still um, need a bit of refinement and I think Collingwood are very good at hurting teams on the turnover. Yep. Uh, so that would hurt us. So it would really stretch our um, transition defence. But I think we defend, like, we defend the ground really well. And it'd just be dependent on how we try and deal with Dacos and Benelbury. Yeah. Um, obviously, I think that Collingwood would win uh, and that it'd be a pretty pretty strong win for Collingwood would be my my answer. But, you know, you never know with a Ross Lyon team. Yeah. Because, um, you know, the way that we've, we've dealt with Fremantle and the Bulldogs in um, consecutive weeks and they both played finals last year uh, and he's prepared the team particularly for them because they're quite, you know... Um, distinctive styles of play. So I'd, I'd like to think that Ross would understand how Collingwood plays and then try and take away their um, strengths and um, exploit their weaknesses. Yeah. I think what would make me bullish about that matchup is how aggressive Collingwood are. And they don't exactly feed pressure as much as the Bulldogs do. Like they are a more forward hand passing and they take you on straight away yeah. out of convincing wins of the contest and stuff like yeah. that. So it's, you know, comparing Collingwood and the dogs, I think the dogs look really bad this year and the pies look really good. But Ross Lyon loves sweating on teams that take risks and making them second-guess themselves about taking those those kicks in board. And so it could be really exciting to see yeah. if the Saints came out to hunt early and maybe in true Ross fashion counter, like try and counter-punch early, get a few goals on the board and play the game that way. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And I think it is about that counter-punching. So, you know, in this game, in the second quarter, Bonson Pelly really stepped up and he could break the lines. And the Collingwood have two players who can do that in uh, Dacos and Pendlebury. Yeah. Uh, and they can do it. They do it for, you know, every quarter yep. as well. So, and we and when when the uh, dogs are on top and Bonson Pelly was doing that, it, looks, it looked really hard to defend. And I think that's... Um, you know, that, that would be a test for, for our boys when we do play against Collingwood. Yeah, from a Collingwood perspective, if they can handle that part of it, 
and not get turned over too much early. Or if they can defend those turnovers successfully, then I agree they would probably handle the Saints. Yeah. But I can't wait to see it, actually, at this point in time. I've got a fun hypothetical for you. Which player in this Saints team would you back to defend in a one-on-one back pocket on prime Dusty Martin? Uh, Cal Wilkie. Yep. Yeah, he's, he can play big or small. Um, he pushes the boundaries when it comes to defending, uh, yeah. but he's a very good one-on-one. Uh, he's probably our best one-on-one uh, match for Dusty, considering Dusty's speed, power, size, and clutchness. Yep. Yep. And if it went awry, who's number two? If it went awry, um, probably Jack Steele. <laughs> oh boy! I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> captain, he's our captain, courageous. Yeah, you know, in in if the team needs him to step up and do something special, then I'd back him. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's nice. Um, see how that goes yeah. for you. <laughs> did you did you have another hypothetical for me? Yeah. So, as a dogs fan, um, do you want some good holiday recommendations for September? Uh, yeah, that'd be good. Um, I mean, I'm going to have more money because I'm second guessing whether I'm getting my membership next year. <laughs> um, yeah, there's not a lot to be said on the dogs, which I suppose this can segue, if you like, to what we've seen around around the AFL. So do you want to start on the dogs for a little bit um, and how they look like a basket case? <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've been to the two dogs game uh, this year and it's fo- sort of followed a similar... Narrative both games. Um, you know, St Kilda defend the ground really well under Ross and so do Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne are just, a, I think, a more polished and talented version at the moment and they really hurt the Dogs uh, on that transition. The Dogs got up. Dogs look good in the second quarter in both games as well uh, and then for the rest of the game. They just, you know, the, the ball movement wasn't bold or exciting uh, and I was saying to Zach, I've always equated the Bulldogs uh, teams to have good ball users uh, and I think at the moment, uh, the only really excellent ball users I can think of are Dale and um, Caleb Daniel. Yep. And Daniel had one of his poorer um, disposal games last night, I think, and Bailey D- Dale didn't really have a massive influence. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, they were just kicking the ball side to side. There's no, you know, there's no linkage or great transition between the defense and the forward. Yeah. Um, even though you know you have great aerial targets such as um, Norton and even like Darcy and. Jamara, um, but couldn't connect. There's this a lack of connect. Yeah, absolutely. They um, so this reminds me of like ten years ago when we started the rebuild, or thirteen years ago after Rodney Ead um, lost his job. Alistair Lynch said in the media that the biggest myth in footy was the Bulldogs' ball use because that team that was good that made all those prelims was known for its foot skills. It was guys like Murphy and Gilby and Gian Syracuse and Eagleton. They had these great kicking skills. And when they aged a little bit and they weren't replaced and the depth of the list was filled out by pedestrian talent, the Doggies were not a skillful team anymore and they weren't for a few years until maybe Bevo 2015. Um, This team right now is not a skillful footy team and even though we've known them as that because we've seen Bailey Dale cut teams up and Caleb Daniel work his way through teams... It really doesn't look like a very skillful list anymore. There's too much to too few. And um, 
they need to simplify their game style, but I question whether they have the list to do it, which is they need to commit to the basic fundamentals of footy, which St Kilda executed, which is hard running both Mm. ways and being able to defend the ground. At this point, they just can't defend the ground in the open field. They don't have a lot of sweeping um, runners and the best runners on their team are probably the worst footballers on their team or just natural footballers on their team at the moment or they're inexperienced like Anthony Scott and Oscar Baker. So things are looking dire for the dogs and they are probably going to need to simplify it. They've zagged when everybody's zigged. They've got like an ultra tall forward line, but it still feels like they've only got one target at the moment. I understand lobs out, but big concerns for the dogs. Big concerns. Don't know where it's going to fix itself. It's never as bad as it looks. Yeah. But um, that big concerns, and I have no idea where it's going to go from here. And I don't know if it's the club. I don't know if it's beverage. So, yeah, let's yeah. watch this space. It could be – expect drama. That's yeah. my prediction. I, expect drama this year. Yeah, I think, you know, there is a lot of talent on the list and I sort of expect the, the ship to correct its course. Um, how did the dog start last year? Uh, yeah, they always start poorly, but this year has been a spiritually damaging okay. start, yep. I think. Yeah, where Melbourne handle you like they did in the grand final. You don't really give a yelp in the second half. And the dogs looked quite clueless in the second half. It looked like once they knew they were going to lose the game, there was a lot of confusion on the field from the players of, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? And that's not a Luke Beveridge side that I'm used to. They always have fought back. Um, So, yeah, it's big concerns. We'll see how it plays out. What, who else has popped to you? What other footy have you watched this round? Yeah, uh, so I was actually at a Bucks on Saturday, so I couldn't watch any of the games. So shout out to Pricey. Um, but I watched a bit of the uh, the Melbourne-Brisbane game yep. um, before the lights went out. And I went to bed early because of the Bucks, but what I saw from Brisbane was really impressive. Yep. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure how well Melbourne initially handled the Gorn injury. Yeah. Um, but... But the Brisbane Lions looked on. They they looked like they were... Do you know, in previous years, it looked like... We, we like to say the term men against boys. Mm-hmm. It sort of felt like that when, when I was watching the, the Brisbane game. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were just bullying the um, ball, bullying the Melbourne players, which is not something that you're used to, yeah. you're used to seeing. They, and obviously Melbourne came out after the lights went out and Melbourne nearly came back. I would tentatively say that... The Lions maybe came out in a bit too much self-preservation mode, okay. like not yep. wanting to get injured. That's that's harsh. A game is the entire four quarters of the game, but these were very special circumstances. I agree. Brizzy looked really good. The extra size and strength in the midfield and the, the addition of quality of Dunkley, um, Dunkley and Ashcroft um, in different ways, of course. Yep. Um, and Dunkley took away that old... Isn't it funny how 18 months ago or even 12 months ago... Melbourne, Brisbane was men against boys in the opposite direction. Yeah. Where Melbourne, the midfielders would dominate the Brizzy midfielders and really wear them down over time. It looked like the the Lions were unwilling to go to contests as the game wore on. Obviously, they beat them in the finals last year. And now it's starting to look the opposite, where Brisbane hold the keys to beating a team like Melbourne, where they have this ground ball talent inside 50 and the ability to get it there quickly. And Melbourne have a great defence. They defend the ground really well. But I'd say ground ball defence isn't as strong as their aerial defence. Yeah, I think, yeah, Charlie Cameron is that 
is the key that really helps yep. Brisbane unlock that Melbourne defence. Yeah. Um, have you watched many other teams? Any other teams leaped out at you? Um, yeah, I watched um, the. I watched a lot of the Tigers yesterday. The Tigers against Adelaide, and they did pretty well because Adelaide. Adelaide look all right. Like they made a comeback, and they were, they were looking pretty good to come back. But I noticed when the Tigers are flowing, their ability to spot kick spot up. Um, inside 50 and hit targets inside 50, especially off turnover, is really, really awesome. Yeah, I I watched last week's game and I think my favourite non-St Kilda players to watch is Daniel Rioli off the halfback flank. Yeah, yeah. He's like unbelievable. It's like watching Andrew McLeod. Yeah, they're, they're a pretty scintillating team to watch. Yeah, like him and, him and Shea Bolton. Yeah. Epic. I thought a cool wrinkle was Samson Ryan's game and how he fit with the other tall forwards because obviously we know how good Lynch and Rewalt are, but Samson Ryan is a big, big, big fella, um, presented really well, kicked three goals. So I noticed that from the Tigers. Uh, the Pies, I know you were at Pricey's Bucks, um, and so the, the Pies just look incredible. And, I mean, it sounds overly simplistic and a mainstream view, but Nick Dacos's fingers are just all over it all the time. He's yeah. just such an incredible footballer. It was something I've noticed. I didn't want to comment on it last week um, because I thought maybe it was just one kick that I noticed. But he's got this ability to kick these little like balloon passes where you it tempts defenders to come, but he just weights his passes so perfectly. He has... Genuine stardom, all-time great, written all over him. Yeah. Yep. That's a huge call. Oh. But, man. yeah. He, he's so special. I don't know. I, I, would, I would venture to say, um, in a different way, reminds me a bit of um, Gary Ablett Jr. They're not the same type of player, but the same level of sort of just geniuses that just know how to just run a football game. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. Big praise. Huge call. Gary yeah. Edward Jr. for for Nick Dacos. That's the and I think it's because we underrate smallish guys sometimes, but this is not a small guy to be underrating. He has the ability to just cut you in half. Yeah. Yeah. Um have you watched Carlton? Uh yeah, bits and bobs. Yeah. yeah. What do, how about you? Uh yeah, again, bits and bobs. I think it's uh safe to say that Charlie Kerno, he's a superstar. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, with the draw against Richmond, I I think Carlton, like, Richmond were probably the better team throughout the, the game. Both teams would be feeling aggrieved to have lost. But I think, you know, Charlie and Harry uh, kept, got them the draw, and then they were, again, immense on on Thursday night against the Cats. Yeah. They, I mean, their forward line is... Spectacular. Yeah. And Char- Charlie's amazing. Yeah. Best best key forward in the league right now, you reckon? Uh, yeah, I'd say that he is. Yeah. Maybe Larky, close second, because he doesn't miss. Yeah, exactly. Larky just doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. Cats, um, concerned? Oh, it's fine. Uh, I'm not overly concerned. It's not like Geelong to go 0-2, and, and they probably you would have thought they'd be able to maybe nab that one against Carlton, so I'd be a bit concerned, but... They're going to go in as favourite plenty of times this year and um, 
I do think they're going to win the overwhelming majority of them. I wouldn't be panicking, but maybe their premiership credentials right now are a bit concerning. But obviously, I think they're going to make finals. They're going to kick a ton of goals because they're just such a professional footy club. Um, but can they narrow the gap on teams like, say, Collingwood that's come out of the blocks really well? It remains to be seen. They're, they're, yeah. they're, I haven't seen as much of the, a clear identity yet from the Cats. Um, and, you know, that's because they're usually a pretty well-rounded team um, and they're professional with great forward structure and they're brutally efficient, and that's their identity. Just yeah. don't F up, defend well, and <laughs> go on the offensive well. Do everything well. That's their identity. Good yeah. identity to have, but um, there's there's teams out there that have some sort of overwhelming power at the moment, like the Pies. So, um, yeah, I mean, not concerned. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and how about the Kangas? Kangas? Uh, I'm, I'm not too surprised. I, I think their team has enough maturity now to be a competitive footy team. Um, I, like, uh, we shouldn't talk about it too much, but, like, I thought there were some pretty egregious, like, um, and gutless <laughs> non-calls um, that had a bit to do with noise of affirmation late in the game. And so it would have been very sad if the deliberate call went against them because, I don't know, they, they hung in there. Um, that's as much rope as I'll give to the umpire chat. <laughs> like, but, um, yeah, it's great to see. And yeah. um, I, I, I kind of liked Luke McDonald late. I thought he had, like, this real urgency to him and I can see him thriving under Clarko. Yeah, they have some really higher top-end talent. Yeah. Um, so LDU had an immense game. Yeah. She's all started like a... House on fire, yeah. Um, so, and then um, you know, Jai Simkins a really good player. So they, you know, they have a lot of really good um, AFL talented players, and they've been bringing in some experience. So yeah, it's not, and then obviously you bring in Alistair Clarkson, one of the most decorated coaches of all time. So yeah, you know, maybe maybe it's not too surprising. So yeah, well, I'm I'm really intrigued to see how they go for the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm optimistic their time in the doldrums is over. I think they've served their time and they've got the right balance of age and maturity on their list, that they're, they're coachable to a coach like Clarko. Clarko was so animated on the side of the he field. Was, he was, wasn't he? He was barracking, but it also had a positive tone to it as well, where he was having fun and just happy to be back in the footy system. So, yeah, it was that was cool to see. And I wouldn't panic about Frio either, but you saw the Saints play against them. What do yeah. You so I thought, uh, so you know, it was the first round, uh, and I thought we had a really good game plan against them. Uh, and you know, we know that their style of play is that high possession type and a really strong intercept marking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought their forward structure wasn't great against us, and I think that was another issue yeah. um, yesterday. So hopefully they can sort that out. So I think Tabena can have some good games, uh, and he's a really good forward. So they, they probably need him to be a bit more consistent with his output. Uh, and then, you know, get, get, having players like Walters and Walters step-ups is really important. But I think they'll be fine. I think Longmuir's a really good coach. Um, yeah. Like Collingwood supporting friends all rave about him, and you can see the improvement that they that Fremantle have made under him. So I think they will right the ship. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's only round two, you know, there's an... 20 more rounds for the season. Yeah. You've, identifi- uh, you've identified a clear weakness, though, which is at, at the moment the scoring doesn't look like it's coming easy. Yep. So they need they do need to fix that if they're going to get out of that um, lower top eight tier 
um, at some stage, which obviously they really want to do. So something to watch there for sure. Um, were you were you concerned about the D's who lost on Friday night? Uh, again, it's, it's it's early in the season. Um, I think I think the gone the gone um, injury did hurt. I think Grundy's a, a good ruckman, but he's not. He's not Gorn, uh, yeah. and it's hard. And, you know, Gorn's been playing with the other uh, midfield trio for so long that they just understand each other. They understand each other's, um, you know, um, centre cl- center work, um, clearance work. Yeah. So there's that bit of an adjustment. But they did come back after the lights out. Um, but I think, I think they'll be fine. I think, you know, they've got so many great players across the, um, across the park. Um, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where they are, but I don't like. I think they're in the tier below Collingwood at this stage, though. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Well, it's been good. It's been so fun doing um, the first episode of season one, season two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this year we're going to be more sporadic with the podcasts throughout the year. We're both busy people. I'm not a stay-at-home dad anymore, and. Ollie's more passionate and committed to his professional career. is not as much of a um, lazy corporate sellout <laughs> as he was last year. So just keep an eye on our socials for when we're going to be doing episodes. We're, we're doing this for a lot of fun. We love footy and we love talking it together, especially the hypothetical stuff. Like who would be the best all-time player from any era to defend prime Dustin Martin? That's something to think about for next time. And I'll come, I'll come back to you with an answer. See you later.